if you are in a relationship and you are not the person who pays the bills, you don't really know what bank account you have or what credit cards you have or anything like that, don't allow that to happen to yourself. Even if you continue to not be the one who pays the bills, at least make yourself aware of what you do have so that you have a starting place. Otherwise, you're simply collecting the mail every day and starting to go through the envelopes that are there to try to find out that part of your life that you really didn't know existed. Welcome to Financially Ever After Widowhood, the podcast where we empower women to take control of their financial future after the loss of a spouse. I'm your host, Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial, an award-winning and nationally recognized financial advisory firm. With the help of incredible guests, I'm ready to guide you through this challenging transition. I'm so happy to introduce you all to Kathy Gleason, who I got to know on her own podcast called As I Live and Grieve. She started the podcast nearly two years ago, and they've had guests from over 80 countries talking about all aspects of grief. It's gained an international audience with over 150 episodes, and it's a great resource for all of you experiencing and living through grief. Kathy describes herself as eclectic. She says she's tried to retire four times. I don't know if she's quite succeeded because she is busier than ever. In addition to her podcast, she's working on her second book called Intentional Grief. She lives in Western New York and volunteers her time at a local veterans group, as well as serves as treasurer for Aurora House, which is a local hospice home. I know that you'll fall in love with Kathy just as I have. She describes herself, and I can definitely also back this up as an open book, wanting to help other women who have experienced and are living through the journey of grief. So without further ado, please help me welcome our wonderful guest today, Kathy Gleason. Hi, Kathy. I'm so excited to interview you. I've been on your podcast and you know, the shoe is on the other foot and I get to ask you lots of questions and I'm so happy and excited for our audience to get to meet you. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I think this is going to be a, a great conversation. We always seem to really circle around some really good topics and really good comments. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Me too. Well, tell me if you don't mind sharing your personal story, what really attracted you to doing this work? And you really speak about widowhood. You talk to a lot of women who are experiencing that very difficult journey too. Well, probably what drove me to it at this point in my life is the same thing that drove me away from it decades before. Both of my parents really were very detail-oriented, and my mother especially was the inveterate planner. She would plan for everything. So after she herself became a widow, she eventually remarried and became a widow a second time. At that point and in that time, I guess for society, grief was really not something that was talked about much at all. It really just wasn't. 
Nobody knew that much about it. It wasn't a topic of conversation. And we were all pretty much just following role models in our lives that seemed to just pick themselves up and dust themselves off and just go on with life. That was my perspective, my mother. Well, in her planning and her details, she went to a funeral home and made all of the arrangements and paid for her own funeral to save my brother and I having to go through the decision-making and that huge ordeal that can be so traumatic after losing someone you care about. My brother at the time lived in Florida, so I was the one up here kind of taking care of my mom as she needed me and everything, though she was quite independent for a long time. But with her details, she wanted to tell me about it. She wanted to prepare me and know that she had taken care of it. She'd made all the arrangements. So she would give me a call and she said, Kathleen, come over. I want to tell you, you know, everything that I've done. And I was just terrified at the thought of discussing death. I just physically and emotionally mm-hmm. could not handle mm-hmm. it. So I would literally make excuses to not have that conversation with my mother. They went on for years years. Well, then, of course, she eventually did die. And all of her planning, I realized at that point in time, was truly a gift that she gave to my brother and I. Those plans, those details were all taken care of, even the payment of it. We really only had to just kind of follow what was already laid out. And it gave us a chance to celebrate her life. After that, it wasn't any more easy for me to talk about death or dying. I retired from my job. I took an early retirement and did some freelance work. And my freelance work brought me to a comfort care home, which is a hospice home. At first, I thought, oh, here I am. I hate talking about death and I'm going to be surrounded by it. Hospice is where everybody goes to die. I just continued to avoid it. I did take the job at the comfort care home because I knew the office I would be working in was down in the basement and I would not be around the residents or the patients who were dying. After about six months or so, I was handling that very well. I never even saw the patients until one day the nurse came to me and said she needed help. She needed to reposition a patient and needed an extra pair of hands. I agreed to help. What could I do? And I went up. Over the period of the next few weeks or so, She needed my help more frequently. I only discovered later that that was her way of kind of introducing me to that climate and that whole aspect. My word. Yeah, she was a very, very special, very special woman. So after a period of time, I came to actually carry on a conversation with the residents. I started to learn more about it, learn more about hospice care and everything like that. And then after I left that job and my daughter, Stephanie, who, of course, you've met, she took the job. She took my job and she kind of came in same environment, same climate in the same way by a different nurse. At one point, they had asked me to facilitate a bereavement group. And I said, "Okay, I think I can do this. I did that. And then COVID hit. I had already lost my husband by that point. And as COVID started to retreat a little bit. They said, how about starting up the group again? And I said, I didn't enjoy it that much. There were only a couple people. And there are so many more that really need Uh to talk about this. So how can we do this? And then sitting with Stephanie one day, the word podcast came into my head, almost divine intervention, I say. And Stephanie said, oh, sure, mom, let's do that. 
we knew nothing about podcasts, nothing at all. But we started our podcast and just by the guests and by having a different guest every week and having the conversation about death and dying, that's how it became easier Mm -hmm. to do. I really feel I was led into it. I started paying attention to the signs and that really has made all the difference in my life. For you, I mean, the podcast, as I live and grieve, it's about Mm -hmm. grief in general, but there's a really profound grief of losing a spouse and you've experienced that grief as well. What did you take away from that? How did you make it through that journey? And again, paying it forward to others here. I guess that's something that I'm really committed to now too, because prior to that, I had lost my father. Then I lost an infant child, less than 24 hours old, a son, my only son. Then I lost my mother. Then I lost Tom, my husband. Actually, last week was just five years since he's been gone. That particular loss was the hardest. And I think it's because with your spouse or your partner in life, you not only lose that person who's been so vital in your day-to-day life, more so than a parent, but you also lose the future that you'd been planning for. And that to me was the huge difference between all of those losses. Mm -hmm. I began to think of it not only from what I lost personally, Tom really was one of my best friends. We get thought about certain cruises, certain plans we had, things we wanted to do, things we wanted to buy. And all of a sudden that was just all gone. It was no more a possibility. And then there's also that kind of double whammy, all the things I would think of that he was missing out on. So losing a spouse is definitely a whole different complexity of loss, and it can be devastating. Yeah. Were there any challenges that you didn't really anticipate? You know, you've sustained a lot of loss in your your life. I think the, the biggest challenge, the biggest thing that I really didn't anticipate was just how much paperwork, red tape, and loose ends there are to tie up. And you are already feeling very, very alone, totally devastated, but you have to do certain things in a certain timely manner that gives you no choice but to find a way to do it. And that's another layer. You know, there wasn't that I knew of, I know better now, there was no checklist that I could get, no friend that had gone through it before me that said, all right, let's sit down. We're going to make a list of everything you need to do. I was totally trying to wing it. I was eventually informed of an insurance policy I didn't even know he had, didn't even know existed. Somebody made a comment in passing and I said, time out. Whoa. What are you talking about? And she said, yeah, check it out. Here's the phone number. And I called and sure enough, it was just sitting right there. That's unbelievable. And I hear from so many women Mm -hmm. like you, Kathy, the words of overwhelm and just so many things to do. There are a lot of great resources now. You know, I'm just sharing with everyone listening, financial resources for widows. We have fantastic Mm -hmm. checklists, even timeframes of how to do this. But Kathy, did you do this on your own or were you able to surround yourself with others to help you? Because I can't imagine how painful it is for 
the 50th time to talk to someone on the phone, whether it's a membership or a credit card or a bank account, sharing that your spouse has passed away. That's debilitating. Did you manage this all on your own? I did. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know if I had asked Stephanie, for example, Mm -hmm. she would have helped me, but she had a busy life too. And she had two young boys and they were in school and had sports and everything like that. So I did it on my own. I'm also a pretty determined, Uh persistent, independent woman. And I was determined. I was bound to determined. I was going to find my way through it. But for a lot of people, you don't know who to reach out to because so many people, they might be there for the calling hours for the funeral, but unless they've really experienced it themselves, they're going to be limited help to you. Uh And you kind of learn as you go. And if I learned one thing about all those phone calls, it had to be done, first of all. And that instead of trying to be frustrated, I found out that the best way was just the straight truth. And one of the first things I told them after I gave them my name was, look, I'm now a widow. I have no idea what I'm doing or what I need to do or how to do it. And that usually brought out a tender side of the person. Yeah, on the, the phone best in people speaking with. Yeah, people and realizing really they need to step up to the plate and they really need right. to help. There were some exceptions to that, I will say. To this day, the NRA still sends mail to my husband because he had a life membership. They still want him to vote and attend their conferences. And I've probably made a dozen, no less than a dozen phone calls to try to get them to stop. And you know, depending yeah. on who you speak with and everything, it's, there's no money in it. There's really no yeah. reason to do it other than every time I get that piece of mail, I get angry. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's like a trigger. Yeah. Because you've yeah. you've worked so hard to be able to, you know, let those people know. When you went about this process, how did you organize it? Did you say every day I'm going to call so many places or Did you just say, I'm just going to keep on going until I get everything done? This is one of the biggest challenges. How do you tackle all this, working with the estate attorney, working to transfer all the assets? What was your strategy to do this while you're grieving and while you're also supporting your daughter and others that have lost someone who, you know, all the people who really love Tom and then maybe not feeling like you're really yourself because you're going through trauma. I was definitely not myself. And let me back up a little bit too. Tom died of a brain tumor. He had cancer of the brain from his service in Vietnam. He was retired U.S. Army. And once he received the diagnosis, I knew that he was terminal. I didn't know how long he had. You know, Mm -hmm. we had a guess. So there was a period of time that I was taking care of him. And I was thinking ahead a little bit as I could about what am I going to do? How am I going to manage this? Tom made no plans at all related to wills, estate planning, writing it down, even though the veterans group that he was involved with had a thing called the paper safe where they encouraged the vets to write down Mm -hmm. phone numbers and policy numbers and everything. Tom would never do that. He wouldn't even communicate to me what his wishes were for medical treatment. So I was just kind of flying blind. At some point, 
all I could focus on was the caregiving. I lost track of what was going to happen at some Mm -hmm. point in the future. So once he died, I knew that one of the priorities would be bank accounts because I had been told by my parents that the banks seem to find out almost as quickly as you do that someone has died and they may freeze accounts. I knew that that was an eventuality. That was one thing that I did make sure and I had had for years a separate account as well. So I made sure I had money in my account that would get me through a little bit of time. So at the top of my list after funeral arrangements was banking. Mm -hmm. And that's what I took care of first. After that, I have to say it probably was whichever piece of paper came to the top of my pile next Mm -hmm. is what I handled. Mm -hmm. I didn't seem to have the wherewithal to make a list because I really had no idea who I had to reach out to. I knew that the VA was on there. And fortunately, in that respect, I was blessed in that Tom did take care of this in one way. He did plan ahead and we filed a claim about his cancer with a veteran service officer. The Uh brain tumor he had was not on their list of resumptive conditions, but we were still told to go ahead and file a claim because some year it might be. And at that point, it's retroactive payment. So that had been done. And I knew the service officer's name. So after banking, I contacted the veteran service officer and he was wonderful. He did all of the paperwork for me, for the VA. That's great. For everyone listening, you bring up some very good points. One of the biggest challenges we have for our clients is having access to liquid money. And if your spouse had the majority of the money and you held just a smaller account in your name Mm -hmm. only, and it wasn't a joint account with your spouse, you can find yourself in a really difficult position, making sure that you are paying bills as quickly as you can from that Mm -hmm. account, Mm -hmm. transferring over if that's possible to your account so that you have the ability to pay your mortgage, to be able to pay all those bills. And with the VA, a lot of veterans are receiving some type of pension or or support or payment. Disability or something. Disability. And that often can continue even after their death. So looking yes. into that. And if you go to their website, va.gov, on the upper right-hand corner, I think it is, it says burials and memorial. And there are many different services from stoneheads to plots to mm-hmm. ongoing upkeep. These are all just wonderful resources that you can use. The other piece I love that you brought up and you know, I think about this, actually what you're doing, you may have thought you had a timeline, but I'm kind of putting a timeline as the most important thing. Mm-hmm. The next thing is finding out about that life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> because of all the assets, one of the quickest to pay out is life insurance. Yes. Once you contacted the life insurance company, how long was it until you received that check? I had a check within the week really important as you're looking at all the things to do, reaching out to the life insurance companies. And if your spouse is still working to their employer, because 9.9 times out of 10, there is a life insurance policy that they have at their employer. That's correct. And what's great is all that money is there for you. That's a question I have too. It doesn't sound like he was working at the time. 
No, he was retired. He was retired, but Social Security would have stopped. A lot of other things might have stopped too as far as income, but a lot of your expenses most likely still were continuing. How did you deal with that? Again, we were very fortunate. He was still getting Social Security. Okay. And he was also getting a disability from the VA. And he was getting retirement from the post office because after his military service, he did retire from the army. But after his retirement from the army, he worked at the post office and accumulated enough for retirement there. So those payments were all coming in. But what you have to be careful of that no one really tells you about is depending on the time of month someone dies that has monthly stipends coming into them. As soon as that company or organization finds out about the death, they usually will pull back from your bank account what they paid for the month if they pay in advance. So all of a sudden, the bank balance that I thought was there was no longer there because I believe Social Security did it. I know the VA did it as well and the post office retirement. They all pulled back the monthly payment. Now, Tom died on the 23rd of the month. The month was almost over. They still pulled back almost the entire month until they could recalculate and then what his benefit was to be till the day of his death. And then they gave it back. Yeah. So it's really important to have extra money because it is. It, is. it really is. Is there any advice or lessons learned that you feel like you want to share or that you didn't expect? Well, the biggest lesson learned, although I had pretty much done it already because I was so independent, fiercely independent, is if you are in a relationship and you are not the person who pays the bills, you don't really know what bank account you have or what credit cards you have or anything like that, don't allow that to happen to yourself. Even if you continue to not be the one who pays the bills, at least make yourself aware of what you do have so that you have a starting place. Otherwise, you're simply collecting the mail every day and starting to go through the envelopes that are there to try to find out that part of your life that you really didn't know existed. So I just encourage, and I guess it's primarily women, but it doesn't have to be. If you are not the partner that is the financial planner, the payer of all the bills and everything, at least figure it out yourself. Start Mm -hmm. looking at the mail or try to get your partner to sit down with you and say, I'm not trying to take over, but I would just like to know what we have and what to look for. Ideally, you can get it all written down, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always happen. It's interesting. I just read a statistic yesterday of a study by UBS. Mm -hmm. They surveyed a very large group of men and women and found that only 20% of married couples make long-term financial decisions and manage money together. So what about that other 80%? And for (laughs) women, eight out of 10 of us, we are going to be on our own at some point in our life, making our own financial decisions. And I've seen time and time again, women, we primarily work with women who have suffered the loss of their spouse, but then they have this an additional burden of getting up to speed with the finances because they haven't intentionally or, you know, unintentionally just not really been involved. And you can miss things. 
Sometimes yeah. it's a little bit like Sherlock Holmes, where we're going through the tax return to see where our interest in dividends and capital gains yeah. coming from. Are there any yeah. distributions from retirement plans to try and mm-hmm. find exactly where these even are? And exactly. insurance yeah. policies, quite frankly, is even harder yeah. to find that because you have to go through a bank account and mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, if that was written to USA, was that for our homeowners in our auto? Or is right. there a life insurance policy somewhere? Yeah, it is. You know, and I love puzzles, but that's not a puzzle that I ever want to have. Yeah, to, and it's to not a puzzle <laughs> you want to deal with. I no. love puzzles too. I do. Yeah. And I'm very good. I do the the corners first, right? I have my little strategy, right. but I do too. But you know, <laughs> that's the last time you need a puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it was you when you were a guest on our podcast one time, you were talking about if you happen to find yourself in that position, what can you do? And I think it was you that mentioned you can start with the mail. Start yes. looking at the mail you've received. And then after that, look at your bank account. And if you don't have access to your online account, go to the bank. They'll help you. Yeah. And they'll get it. They, and they, they can even they print will. out statements. Yeah. Exactly. They will be very accommodating. The people at the bank were wonderful to me. Yeah. And one bank even said, Are you okay for money? The mm-hmm. bank was willing to figure out a way. That's to great. Help. Yeah. Another really good tip is to look at your spouse's wallet and all yeah. of those cards. What we do tend to see is that mm-hmm. if a person has a credit card from, let's say, JP Morgan Chase, usually there's a checking account and a savings account too. Right. So that helps you, like you said, seeing the mail, what financial institutions are you yeah. being sent mail from and looking all that, reaching out to your accountant mm-hmm. and your accountant will get every year all of the documents they need to be right. able to prepare the tax return. And they keep that and it shows all the institutions where you have money. The goal is to use that resource list before something yeah. happens and yeah. really mapping it all out. But if not, there are ways to also right. do that. Yeah. So your priority, I think, for yourself needs to be to make sure that you have some money to live on and then to find out what money there might be that you can continue to use for investment or whatever. And look at ways you can kind of either spend down or consolidate things you need to bills or anything like that. And then even ways that you can kind of save on your own budget. Yeah. Because once you even though it's a lot of work and it's difficult. How many times a day can you say, my husband died? It's tough. It really is. And at night, all you want to do is sit on the couch and sob. But the sooner you get that done, the sooner you get those priorities done, then you can really start working on yourself. And that's critical. And I have to say, Kathy, part of the reason why I just am so passionate about working Mm -hmm. in this area and working with women is to take the stress and anxiety about worrying about money and whether or not they're going to be okay long-term. Absolutely. At least take that piece away. It's not going to make everything perfect. Stress in general is very difficult, Mm -hmm. but financial stress can be especially toxic. My goal is to just give that gift so that Mm -hmm. women can grieve slowly over time, heal Mm -hmm. and really live the best life they possibly can. And I'd love for you, if you don't mind, before we leave, to just talk about your podcast and how everyone (laughs) can find out because everyone listening 
as I live and grieve. It started about two years ago. And you guys are very regular with having great content every single week, all different types of experts. Yes, financial, but also other areas of mental health, legal support and, and legal advice too. So if you don't mind, Kathy, it would be such a great resource for our listeners. The podcast, as I say, I like to say it started on a whim with some divine intervention. I do it with my older daughter, Stephanie, who is uh, like my best buddy. And we are like-minded in many ways. And we just want to make the topic of grief easier to talk about. So our podcasts are very informal. And as Stacy said, we've covered it from a lot of different perspectives, although we still have some that we haven't yet done. I'm looking for credible sources on them. But we have talked about certain techniques that can help alleviate your symptoms of grief. We've talked about finger tapping. We've talked about Uh, music. We've talked about journaling. We talked about a method that's popular in Great Britain, hasn't come too much into the States, and that's called the alternate energy method. And there's actually an experiment that we did that is, it's like the best party trick in the world, but it lets you feel the energy that really we all kind of have in our bodies. We've covered death of a child. We've Uh, covered death of an adult child. We've talked about suicide in spouses. We've done so, so many things. We have, I think, just about 130 episodes out there now. We have some guests that have returned, as Stacy has, and we just love doing it. Every Tuesday morning, a new episode launches, and it's in time for that morning commute. Episodes are about 30 minutes long, which we think is just about the time you need once you drop your kids off from school to get yourself to work. It's great. I love doing it. And I've met some wonderful, wonderful people. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kathy. And for all of you listening, we have Kathy's contact information to learn more about the podcast right in the show notes and some great resources for you as far as worksheets and timeframes of how to get things done and some tips to help you along the way. So thank you so much, Kathy. It's great to have you here. Uh, My pleasure entirely. Thank you so much for having me. A great big thank you to Kathy for sharing more about her experiences. And one of the pieces that she talked about that just really resonated with me is the importance for women to be empowered around their finances, particularly when your spouse is alive and really taking a real active role in the finances. But if you have not done so, after their death, making sure that you step into your power and that you really take agency over your overall personal finances. If you have any questions about our podcast or how we can help, you know we're here, here at Francis Financial to plan, grow, and protect your wealth and make sure that you're living the life that you deserve. Thank you for joining us and we'll be seeing you in two weeks. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After Widowhood. If there's a question you'd love for us to answer on the podcast, we can do that for you. All you have to do is give us a call and the number is 347-682-5580. Let me say that again, 347-682-5580. Whether you're working with an advisor or you're maybe doing it on your own, we invite you to reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can email me 
at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at FrancisFinancial.com. Our hope is to be a resource for you to help you also find a great financial advisor, whether that be with our firm or one of our trusted colleagues. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and join us next time on Financially Ever After Widowhood.